Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. All right, today I welcome on the show, Scott Smith. Hey, Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Jacob, really great to be here, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Well, Scott, could you tell the audience members a little bit more about yourself, your background, and kind of your journey up to this point? Yeah, so I'm an asset protection attorney, um, and I'm also a real estate investor. I have been for about eight years. I'm personally invested in about 10 different states and all different asset classes. Um, I advise uh, investors all across the United States, um, wherever they're located. You know, the only restriction I can't do, Jacob, is actually like appear in court for people, but everything else is fair game. Um, so, but my journey inside of real estate is uh, kind of crazy, actually. I started when I was in law school. Uh, during my second year of law school, I uh, bought a transmission auto repair shop with a buddy of mine, and uh, we ran the business uh, to pay for our uh, living expenses. Um, and then we flipped the property at the end of law school, and I graduated without any, any debt. Uh, from law school. So that let me go into litigation, which is where I cut my teeth suing major insurance companies um, as part of a team, you know, working with them for hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and, uh, and then I realized that everybody that works in litigation and that kind of litigation I was doing actually hates their lives. And it looks like <laughs> I, I, am, I was so out of there after two years, I got my ticket punched you know, for my resume. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I'm going back to my love of real estate. I always loved the rich dad, poor dad. And um, you know, bought like the cat, uh, all Robert Kiyosaki stuff, even his board games, because uh, I loved it so much. So um, uh, I started going to meetup groups to connect with other real estate investors um, that were here local to Austin. I'd still had some other investments I had done in the past two years, but hadn't done a lot of the meetup scene. And uh, yeah, man, I found out that like nobody really understood what they needed for asset protection. Everybody was asking me about it. So I started to work on that to figure out what these people should be doing with series LLCs or Delaware statutory trusts, or how do you do equity stripping and how does that affect all of your, your uh, finances and insurance and, and, you know, uh, fi and financing just in general. Um, and that along the short of it is that I that became a career because it turns out that people all across the country don't, don't have anybody to turn to that they can say, man, that's a guy that's an attorney as well as a real estate investor. He understands this stuff. I can just go to him and he can answer all the questions for me. Yeah, I love it. Well, Scott, backing up here, why should someone be worried about asset protection, be interested in, be concerned with it? You know, what's what's there to be had out of asset protection? Yeah, so what we know from statistics is that uh, you have a 95% chance of being in a major lawsuit as a real estate investor over a 20-year period. So it's kind of like, you know, there's a flood that's going to happen, but you don't know when it's going to happen, right? And so what position do you want to be in when that's going to hit? When, if it's something we can't predict. And I think that we should be in a protected place. Um, so we're proactive uh, and that's the way the law protects you. The law only protects those who are proactive and those that take action, just like the universe only rewards people that take action in business or investing in real estate. The law mimics that kind of rule. 
Um, and, and one of the key uh, pieces for me as a real estate investor is actually what I learned during my litigation practice. I had a friend that actually lost over $3 million in real estate only because he had in his personal name. He had great insurance, but insurance only protects against negligence. It didn't protect against this breach of contract claim uh, that he had against him. Uh, and it wiped over $3 million in, in real estate investments that he had uh, just right out from underneath him because he just thought his insurance was enough. Um, so that was a big eye opener for me of saying, oh, smokes, you know, lawsuits are serious. You don't know how serious they're going to be, but you know, sometimes they're deadly. Yeah. So with a 95% chance of being sued over the lifespan of 20 years, it's more of a when, not if you are going to get sued, that is. Yeah. And you might be lucky, right? Like sometimes a lot of people are. Um, that, that I, I hear about, you know, especially like online, right? People be like, oh, you know, you just be honest and you just don't defraud people. Uh, and you're going to be okay. But I just had a client here recently who um, flipped a house. Uh, there was some communications back and forth in emails between, um, you know, of course, the buyer and the seller. The, the buyer asked, um, you know, what plumbing underneath the house has been replaced? And the seller responded, all the plumbing in the house was replaced, right? Of course. But, right, right, because you're just lay people talking in an email, right? This was like two seconds out of each person's life to shoot an email back and forth. Come to find out that there was plumbing upstairs in the house that ended up uh, leaking, and it caused like over $75,000 in damages to the house because it happened while they were on vacation. Now there's a huge lawsuit that's brewing, right? And so people are like, oh, well, you know, fraud only happens to people that are dishonest. Like, no, that, that's a claim for fraud. You defrauded me when you told me all the plumbing in the house was replaced and it wasn't. And that was the basis for the lawsuit. Luckily, it was a client of mine, um, because, but because of the uh, asset holding structures that we had in place for, we got the lawsuit completely dropped, right? Yeah. So, that's it's cool stuff like that, but fraud happens to good people all the time. Y'all, that's something I want to dig in, Scott, because I know one of the things you advocate for is preventing a lawsuit before it ever actually happens. So walk us through how you do that. Yeah, what you got to do is you got to attack the money. Lawsuits are all about money, and usually it's about an attorney trying to make money, right? Um, so think about it. This is what really happens in a lawsuit. Something happened to you, Jacob, and then all of a sudden you go to an attorney's office and say, hey, this really bad thing happened to me. Can you help me get some money for it? The attorney says, well, how, how am I going to get paid? And you say, well, I don't, I don't want to pay you $25,000 out of pocket, right? I tell you what, I'll pay you on commission. If you can win this thing for me, I'll give you a third of it. So now the attorney has to look at and say, well, what are the assets that I can get if I go forward with this lawsuit, because I got to make sure that I'm getting paid. I got staff, I got my overhead, whatever, right? The attorney then immediately looks to say, with whoever they're going to target for the lawsuit, they look to say, what does that person own that I can go after? Do you think, Jacob, that they're trying to sue anybody that looks like they don't own assets? Yeah, probably not. Probably not, right? So that's the number one thing that we do, is we put anonymity structures in place that hide your assets, hide your ownership of the company, so that way when anybody looks to sue you, they say, oh, this guy has qualifies for food stamps. I'm not <laughs> gonna take that case, I don't think I'm gonna get paid. Yeah, right. And that's how you stop it. It's just as easy as that, and it costs a lot less than you would think to do it, because there's no annual maintenance or anything associated with anonymity. I mean, you can put these things up for just a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are some common asset protection strategies you recommend to real estate investors kind of universally, Scott? Yeah, there's the, the one best system uh, to be able to use for everybody that's located outside of California uh, is going to be a series LLC structure. We use a series LLC structure in combination with anonymity trust. And it's the one structure for anybody that's looking to grow. And the reason for that is because with a series LLC, you can scale for free. You can create as many companies as you want to on your desktop 
for free. There's only one company, one filing, one EIN number. And then for every additional property you have, you create what's called the child series that you can create them right on your desktop. Doesn't cost you anything to do it. Yeah. Okay. Now walk us through exactly what a series LLC is. Yeah. So you can farm them up in over 12 different states right now. Um, and that's just a, a normal LLC filing. These are just LLCs, right? They're just LLCs with a caveat. Um, and what the, this thing that's special about them though, is that they're in the caveat, it says you can create a ch child series and it spells out in the law what that means, right? That these are compartmentalized for liability purposes, right? And so what you end up running into is the situation that you say, I can create one parent company and then all of the subsidiary, you know, child companies, I'm, I'm creating them myself. And there's no extra filing for those. And what's really cool about it is because they're just LLCs, you know, just like people use LLCs from Delaware and use them all over the United States, you can take a series LLC that you can form up in Texas, Delaware, Nevada, and you can use those anywhere you want to as well, right? Because they're just LLCs, right? There's no reason to think that they're, you know, any different. Um, in fact, the series LLC has been around for over 20 years. And nobody's even tried to challenge the validity of it. There's no court cases over the past 20 years, even though they've been in thousands of lawsuits, of anybody challenging the validity of the asset protection of a series LLC. Okay, so even if you have a property that's not in one of these states that recognizes the series LLC, can you still be protected by that series LLC in, say, a state that does have that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because these are just LLC structures. So you can use it in one state and use the other, just like we use Delaware LLCs and, and use them anywhere we want to as well. Okay. And what about the uh, folks out there in California? What, what do they do? I know you mentioned there was an exclusion there and we have a lot of listeners and audience members from California. So, yeah. So in California, what you want to use is what's called a Delaware statutory trust. And the reason why is because a Delaware statutory trust or a DST uh, avoids franchise taxes. So there, and it provides asset protection just like a series LLC would. So you know how I just explained how a, a, a series LLC has that parent-child structure that can create all the individual child series? A DST right. allows you to do the exact same thing. But it's a trust structure that's formed in Delaware. Um, and, and because it's a trust structure, it doesn't fall underneath what's called the Franchise Tax Board's rules for having to pay $800 a year per entity which is what LLCs have to get paid. Well, a lot of people don't know in California is that if you're a California resident, no matter where you own the LLC and no matter where it's doing business, you have to pay $800 a year to the Franchise Tax Board. And if you're ever reviewed, they're going to ding you for it. So the only way to make sure you're never dinged for anything like that is to use a DST structure. Um, and, and the great part about these two is that there's no drawbacks to the series LLC or the DST. They really actually just simplify your life. Okay, so one of the benefits of this series LLC, if I've got this right, Scott, and let me know if I don't, is say you have multiple investment properties and you want to reduce your risk by separating each of your properties in a separate LLC. Is that how? Is that when the series LLC comes into play there? Yeah, that's right. And exactly what you're referring to, Jacob, is what in the legal field we call compartmentalization. Because that means like a, a lawsuit involving property A can't affect property B, property C, property D, et cetera, right? And it can't affect you. So typically the old way of doing that is individual LLCs per property, right? But that becomes really expensive, right? You have to have separate bank accounts. You have to have separate filings, corporate minutes, franchise taxes, registered agents for every single LLC. With a series LLC, it's only one company you have to maintain, but you get all of the compartmentalization, all of the benefits of protection as if you had individual LLCs. 
Okay. Now, are some of these states that recognize series LLCs also investor-friendly states or, I guess, uh, corporate-friendly states from an LLC perspective? Yeah. So you you get, uh, there's over 12 different states now where you can form the series LLC, but you can form it in that state and you can use it anywhere you want, right? So there, LLCs are recognized all throughout the United States. Um, states always recognize each other's LLCs, right? So that's a really key piece to remember when you're looking at, um, you know, where can you form? Now, the the caveat of what state out of those 12 you want to form in with a series LLC has to do with two things. One, who has the best asset protection laws, which are related to things like charging orders. Like if I sue Jacob, can I get to Jacob's LLC interest? In California, you can. And a lot of caveats, right? So, But in Texas, for example, in Delaware, Nevada, and Wyoming, you can't. So we're always looking to typically form in Delaware, Texas, Nevada, Wyoming. I typically choose Texas because Texas doesn't have annual fees. And it has um, asset protection that's on par with the rest. And, you know, call me cheap if you want to, but I don't like lighting money on fire every year just to be able to be fancy and say I have a Nevada LLC. Now, one question I want to ask, and I think it's a question that a lot of beginning real estate investors have a lot of trepidation about, is that due on sale clause triggered on their mortgage. Lots of people don't want to ever even put the property into an LLC because they're afraid of triggering that due on sale clause. Is this something you have any experience with? Have you seen this ever triggered? Have you seen it not? Can you tell us, kind of uh, give us some insight there? Yeah, the due on sale clause doesn't scare me at all because I'm avoiding due on sale clause issues by using a land trust in conjunction with the LLC. So I circumvent the entire due on sale clause issue by saying what we're going to do is we're going to have the investor close on the property in whatever way they're going to get the best financing, whether it's their personal name, LLC registered in that particular state because they're doing a commercial loan, whatever that's going to be. Then they call us up. What we do is then we take that property A, we transfer it into land trust A, Land Trust A is owned by the Child Series A, and Child Series A is then owned by the Parent Series LLC. But in that first step, where you have the transfer of you know somebody closing their personal name so they can max out all the conventional loans that they're getting um, into the Land Trust, the transfer to a Land Trust just doesn't avoid. It, sorry, it just doesn't trigger the due on sale clause. And the reason for that is because um, the transfers to a trust are exempt from due on sale clause issues. Banks don't review them. The banks will see that the property is transferred to a trust, um, but that's all they're going to do with it. They don't even send you letters or anything like that. Um, at the background history on that, Jacob, is that uh, people are transferring all of their, their properties into their living trust for part of their state planning. So states just blanketly exempted transfers to a trust that they're not going to review them. So they don't even try to go after them. You, you could try to transfer it directly to an LLC, but then you violate the due on sale clause. So they could accelerate the note. Let's say if like interest rates spiked, you might be at risk for that. Um, but I, I think that like the, the standard uh, belief inside of the professional world that I work in is like even a transfer to a land, uh, I'm sorry, even a transfer to an LLC is probably fine as long as you keep paying your, your mortgage that they're never going to call that due is the, is the general wisdom with that. I avoid that whole thing though and just say, well, let's just use a land trust in conjunction with it. And then we don't even have the banks worried about us at all. Yeah, good stuff there. Now, Scott, what other things should someone know when just starting out, maybe developing an asset protection strategy for their, let's say their small portfolio of single family homes? Yeah. So um, I would say for the, the majority of the investors we work with, our single family home investors, we do work with a lot of people that are, um, you know, doing apartment complexes and, and notes and 
all other types of assets. But what I really want to encourage everybody to, to think about is like, think about the end in mind with what you want, right? The cheapest thing you can possibly do, and which is better than holding property in your own name, is just jump onto a legal Zoom and get an LLC. Because maybe it'll work, you know? Like crazier things have happened. But but when you start to think about like, what's the end in mind when I want to have two properties, five properties, 10 properties, the problems that you run into once you start having those properties, some are asset protection related, right? How exposed am I? Um, other, other of those issues that come in to say is like, what does my banking situation need to look like? Do I want to operate out of 10 different accounts and have 10 different companies I have to maintain or do I want one? And, and that's where we think the series LLC really comes into play is for people that are, um, you know, are thinking that they're going to grow and own, own more than just one to two properties in the next five years, um, then, then these are the people that can really benefit by having a, a company structure that keeps everything very simple with, you know, one EIN number. So their taxes remain exactly the same way they are now in one bank account. And then it also has the scalability that goes with it. Um, you, you, it's just a non-starter from a business person's perspective to say that like I'm creating a wealth uh, inside of uh, my real estate. Uh, so that way I can leave my job. And then what I did is I just created a new job, which was managing my real estate. Right. Like, yeah. That's not what I don't think what we're about. Right. Right. Well, uh, so let's, let's back up here and kind of unpack the series LLC really quick, Scott. And one more question I have around it is I want to compare it to, I guess, the arrangement of having a holding company owning multiple individual LLCs. So in this, let's say scenario where you've got a holding company LLC owning multiple uh, LLCs for each individual property, you're having to you know, maintain bank records and operating agreements for every one of those individual LLCs along with that holding company LLC. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. You have to have, you know, if it was 10 properties that you had, right, you would have to have 11 companies because it would be 10 LLCs at the bottom and then one holding company at the top. Um, and that means all of them have to pay all of their yearly fees, all of their yearly registration fees, all their filing fees, uh, you know, 11 different bank accounts and 11 set of uh, accounting records. Yeah. So you can easily see why that's uh quickly gets cumbersome to have to manage and deal with. And that becomes a job on its own. Whereas now the series LLC LLC takes away all of those requirements and you just have to maintain one LLC, one EIN, one account, you know, or bank account and all of that stuff. Is that how it's kind of yeah, that's exactly right. And there's also, you know, another issue here and too that as um, you know, when we talk about the structures that we use with the series LLC that makes it more efficient um, and, and simpler for a lot of people to transfer to is that when you transfer the property into the land trust that's owned by the series LLC, all you have to do for your insurance is just notify your insurance company that you're going to add the trust as an additional insured to your existing insurance policy. It's just as simple as that. So you don't even have to pay corporate insurance rates. That's a big concern for people, Jacob. I don't know if you know about like when they get the LLC, all of a sudden they want them to pay commercial um, insurance rates um, because it's it's tied directly to a corporation. Um, when if they do to transfer to a land trust, they can you know keep personal insurance rates uh, onto it and they just simply just add the trust as an additional insured. Yeah, okay. And are these land trusts complicating this whole process and before you know it, you're back to square one with the holding company and multiple single LLCs, or is it still simplified even with the land trust involved? It's simplified even with the land trust involved. So you still um, have just the one bank account there with the parent, as long as you keep accurate accounting records, like tagging the income um, and expenses for each of the individual child series. So you don't have to keep 10 sentences of books, but inside of your one set of books, you have to tag what belongs to which company. That's part of like being able to prove that there's not illegal commingling happening. 
Um, but from bottom to top, the whole entity structure, the way we structure it, is that it's a completely passed through, or disregarded entity, which means all of the income gets, just gets reported onto the Schedule E of your personal return. So even your taxes remain exactly the same way they are now. There's no tax advantages to doing what we're doing, but there's also no disadvantages. Sure. Okay. Well, Scott, a lot of new investors out there, uh, you know, have a lot of trepidations and fear about building an asset protection plan. And, you know, one of these uh, fears that I've heard and excuses, and maybe these are one of my excuses I've had in the past is, well, starting out, I have very few assets to protect. So I really don't need an asset protection strategy at this point. Are there some holes in that thinking or is that is that accurate? Uh, yeah, well, I, I typically say is if you have less than $50,000 at risk, don't spend the money on asset protection because you're not a target. Nobody's trying to come after you for that. You just don't have enough for people to come after, right? Um, once you start getting over that threshold, um, that's when you have to start asking yourself some questions that are re re requiring you to actually do some planning, right? Like, what do you? What is your expectations over the next five years of your life? You can you can you can take a you know like a small jump and say, well, you know what I want to do? I really want to keep all of my expenses for just getting everything set up for all of my legal to say like under a thousand dollars. So I'm just going to do like an LLC right? You can probably, anywhere you're living, you can probably set up an LLC for under a grand, right? Um, and you could take that piece of it. But the problem that you're going to find out is that if you're planning on growing in the next five years, and that's where you're really heading, you're eventually going to outgrow that what that LLC is actually useful for. Um, so this is where it comes into saying, are you planning for the end in mind? Or are you planning on what do I need to actually get going? Because I'm really just sticking my toe in the water. And if you're sticking your toe in the water, then I would say keep, keep costs low because you're not really sure uh, what direction you're heading with your life right now. But if you're feeling inside of yourself that, uh, that real estate is, is where you're going to be growing, this is where you're going to be building your wealth, this is going to be a focus for yourself for the next five years, then plan for it. You know, make yourself set up with a foundation that's going to grow with you while, you know, keeping your life as simple as possible because you're going to need every ounce of that energy to be finding deals, building your network and making money. You don't want to be spending that time having to mess with corporate paperwork. Yeah, yeah, really good points there. Well, Scott, what are some common myths you've heard about asset protection strategies? Um, yeah, well, there's a couple of things um, with asset protection. The first big one is that I own all my property in my personal name, but I have an insurance policy, so I think I'm fine. Uh, that's it's really just wrong, right? It really under, misunderstands what insurance is for. I mean, insurance only covers negligence claims, and those are just accidents that happen on your property, right? Um, but even then they don't even cover all accidents. If it's a really bad accident, your insurance company doesn't cover it because they call it gross negligence, right? So it only covers some of the risks, some of the time for everything else that comes up like a breach of contract claim or the fraud claim I mentioned, all of those, the only thing that protects you is, uh, a company structure we put in place. So uh, insurance is great. I believe in insurance. I'm very well insured myself, maybe even overinsured. Um, but I also have, you know, I use the series LLC to be able to hold all of my investments and I hold them all in anonymity structures as well. Um, but the same ones I use for my clients, merely because I don't put my faith and my well-being in another company whose business model is built on collecting premiums and denying coverage. And when I, especially when I see it all <laughs> in so. Yeah, well, you bring up a good point here, Scott, and it's something we talk a lot about on the show, and it's building your team and your asset protection member of your team, you're, you're an attorney, is really a vital member. What other team members, when you're talking about this whole kind of, you know, legal, tax, investment advice all in one, you talk just kind of about putting together a general team to help you, you know, 
uh, kind of protect your way out there getting started? Yeah. So the, the three stools, you know, three legs of the stool as we refer to it is you need one person that's going to be able to find your deals. That might be you, right? Um, you need one person that's going to consult you on what are the tax ramifications of the business deal you're about to do. It's typically your CPA. And, and I work with a ton of CPAs. The model I use, I'm, I'm probably like half, half a CPA by this point with how many CPA conversations <laughs> I have. Um, and then what we do at, uh, at Royal Legal Solutions, what we do is we completely round out uh, people's legal team from you know bottom to top because we take care of everything they need for their company, you know, advice on like, here's how you need to be managing your books. Here's your estate planning pieces that you should be putting in place. You know, here's uh, how you can be using, uh, you know, 401ks, self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks to help you with uh, tax, uh, tax-free investing. Uh, I mean, how would you do that with your passive real estate income to be able to generate something like that? And what are the nuances of, you know, the loopholes that are exist? If you know how to do them correctly, you're able to take advantage of them. Um, but yeah, you, you really need, those are the three pieces. You need somebody that can find the deals. You need somebody that can, you know, look at the taxes for you. Um, and then you need somebody that's a, an attorney that, that would be, you know, if it's not me, that's cool. You know, like whatever, right. You don't like the sound of my voice or you think I'm, you know, too overweight to be able to work with you. That's fine. You know? <laughs> Which you're not. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're on the video chat, you know, like I, I got a couple of pounds, but I'm boxing again, you know, like I do jujitsu and boxing and I'm back in the gym now. So that's cool. But I would just say that always hire people that are professionals, um, in your area of, um, that you're looking to also be, um, Sorry. So you want to hire professionals that are also in the same business you're in, right? So when you're hiring a CPA, not all CPAs are made equal. You need to hire a CPA that also does real estate, right? And when you're hiring an attorney, find an attorney that also does real estate. Uh, if it's not me, just make sure that person does it. And then you also want to make sure that they're not just in real estate, but you want them to be in the same type of real estate as you ideally, because residential is super different than, you know, the types of advice that you're going to be, you know, needing if you're getting, you know, into an apartment complex. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That all makes really good sense. And I guess another couple of questions I've got about building your team in terms of looking for an asset protection attorney like yourself, how much does geography come into play? You know, if somebody's out there listening in California or New Jersey and saying, well, Scott, he's in Austin. I don't know how much he knows about the laws in my area or vice versa. You know, is that something to be concerned with? Yeah. What you want to do is hire a local person that's going to, that needs to know those local laws. Right. So, um, the best example I can use, like if if there's like well rights or water rights that are associated with a piece of property, they're like, Oh, I got to have access to that river. And how is that going to work? You know, like that's not going to be somebody like me that's going to advise you on that. Like it needs to be somebody that's local to like that county even and not even the state and he's local to that county of what those laws are that are going to impact that piece of property um once you the the types of things that me and people like me are able to advise on are how does real estate investing work because you know i'm personally invested in over 10 different states i know how how investing is going to work in a multi-state type of strategy um as well as what are the high level pieces around what are the corporations that are going to be recognized how is taxation going to work you know, what's the flow of money need to look like, um, all of that. So um, if it's something that's like a microscopic type of issue, then you need to hire somebody that knows those microscopic type of details. And that would be somebody that's like a, you want the attorney that lives next door to that piece of property, ideally. But for everything else, that's something that we're going to be able to help you with. Yeah, okay. Well, Scott, let's uh, kind of touch, switch gears here a little bit and talk just briefly about your real estate investing and, you know, your real estate investing journey up to this point. Could you kind of just touch base on, you know, how you got started and a little bit about what your portfolio looks like? 
Yeah. Well, I originally got started when I was in law school. I mean, that was like over eight years ago um, doing that. Um, since then, I, I mean, I did a couple of houses, right. Um, after I got out of law school. Um, and that was like, while I was still working in litigation. Uh, once I started doing asset protection work, one of the cool pieces that happened is that people started paying me hundreds of dollars an hour to look over their deals. And then I was like, Holy smokes, I am definitely putting money into this deal because this is a great deal right here. So I got paid to vet deals and I still do. Um, and then I get to decide which ones I want to put money in with my own clients, which is super neat. Um, and uh, so that's actually kind of what led me to get into, you know, so many different types of asset classes. Like that's what got me into notes. It's what got me into apartment complexes. It's what got me into, you know, self storage. Um, and, uh, you know, I was already doing like the one to four unit game, you know, from back before, but, you know, I learned a lot more about how you could do that and then like roll it into like an Airbnb type strategy and what are the implications of that? Um, so, you know, one of the, the nice things about being in my position is I get to live and breathe real estate with a bunch of really successful people all day long because that's my game. Right. So, um, and that's the, you know, that those are the people that are, are seeking, you know, my kind of advice, um, you know, at, at that level. Right. I mean, people, people with no properties also, you know, have me help them coach them up on like, here's how you need to grow. And this is what the foundations are like as well. But, um, but yeah, so I think that's what kind of took me all over the board with, with real estate. And, um, you know, now I find a lot what I'm doing um, is that, you know, anybody that's a member of the firm, Jacob, what we do is we connect them with the other members of the firm that we know are serious investors that are good people that are you know solid because I've worked with them before. Um, and kind of like as like a de facto type of like deal network, right, of pairing people with deals and money and, and how does that work? And we don't make anything off of that. But it's just an added bonus of being part of a community of people that are all real estate investors that are, you know, serious people about, you know, what they do. Yeah, awesome. I love that. So, uh, you know, what are your future goals with real estate, Scott? Are you going to continue to grow your portfolio? Or are you focusing on royal legal solutions? You know, what's in the future for uh, Scott Smith? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever stop investing in real estate. You know, um, a lot of people are spooked about the market, you know, right now, like everybody has an expectation that there's going to be this huge correction, um, that's coming up. Um, and, you know, I, I really don't know. I think like crystal balls are usually pretty fuzzy around anybody that really knows what's happening. Um, so, you know, I'm still, you know, pretty well invested, um, inside of, you know, my real estate portfolio. Um, you know, I got a lot of deals at cash flow. So even if the market tanks, like I'm still fine. Right. I mean, I'm not doing anything that's risky. That's, you know, depending upon appreciation to be able to work my way out of a deal. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, to tell you the truth, Jacob, like with Royal legal solutions, it's, um, the, the reason that I really started doing this was to help people and to be able to educate them on here's what you need to know and here's how it works. Right. Um, and what I found was that most firms were charging, so much money for this type of information and this type of advice that it was like nine, 10, $15,000, um, for, for this type of help. Uh, and I thought it, I still think it's preposterous cause they're still charging. Um, and that's what my passion is, is educating people and helping people because it's not really about real estate and it's not really about asset protection. What we're really all trying to do to, I think is we're all trying to work together to be able to create freedom for our lives, right? To be able to create the income so we can explore our lives the way we want them to be and to be able to create peace and knowing that we're protected so that people can't threaten us with the freedom that we just created to, you know, to be able to go do what we want to do. And I think personally, that's just a really beautiful thing um, to be able to help people create and, and something that I've created for myself. So, 
I um I don't ever see myself ever actually leaving this. I mean, we got all I'm doing is expanding. You know, I'm expanding into podcasts and bigger online communities and speaking events and uh, books that I'm writing. Um, so you know, we've been growing like crazy, and I, I only see the trajectory actually, you know, getting bigger. Yeah, well, now you're really starting to speak our lingo, Scott. After all, wealth and freedom are in the name of the show, so that's what we're all about here, and that's what you and you, your uh, firm is all about there at Royal Legal Solutions. So. Really good stuff. Well, as we're wrapping up here, we've got a lightning round. We ask every one of our guests, how about it? Are you ready for it? Absolutely, Jacob. Hit me with your best shot. <laughs> All right. Well, the very first question we've got is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And how'd you overcome that? Yeah, it's just pull on the trigger uh, to do it. And it's kind of like uh, I, me and my partner, we both looked at each other and said, like, well, do we want to do this? And we're like, All right, well, you know, we're both young let's give it a shot. <laughs> and, and one of the crazy things about it is like I, every day I look at myself and I, you know, and I look in the mirror and I'm like, God, I'm old. And I'm like, Oh my God, I still have so many years left. So like, it's all, I'm always young, you know, to be able to try to like say, well, let's go ahead and jump for the next hurdle because like it's, it's today is the youngest I'm ever going to be. So let's go ahead and, and, and go for it. Yeah. I love it. Great mindset. Well, Scott, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? Wake up early. Yeah. Wake up early and spend the time to, uh, to give to yourself and whatever that means for you. For me, that's spending time meditating and doing some just journaling in the morning. Um, before I check email, before I check my phone, before I jump on any electronic piece, like give myself that piece of it. Um, and that's actually the number one thing that allows me to sustain working 12 and 14 hour days, you know, five plus days a week is just having that morning routine to give myself a little something. And then I can spend the whole rest of my day giving to others. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, Scott, do you have an online resource you find valuable in your day-to-day? Um, yeah, well, I mean, really the the thing that helps me, the are you talking about online resources in terms of like uh, informational resources? Yeah, or? it could be informational, anything to do with real estate investing, any kind of professional, you know, personal development tool, anything like that. Yeah, you know, one of the great things that I, re- I really love um, more than anything else is I love going on like biggerpockets.com where I'm still a really active member. Um, and I've been on their podcast as well because what it allows me to do is stay in touch with like, what are people still like having pain around? So that way I can find solutions for them um, and to be able to help them with it. Uh, it's really like the greatest resource I've been able to find is, is you know, these types of online communities for that. Um, you know, and, and we really spent like a ton. We have a whole writing team over here that produces content for, for the Royal Legal Solutions blog. Um, and so it's finding ways to be able to connect people that have, you know, the pain points with any information with information that we put out. And, and that's the one way that uh, I like to stay in touch with, you know, exactly what's the pulse of what's going on with people. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Scott, what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, is probably like pretty cliche. Um, but I would say one of the, the, the best books that I've, uh, c- come into cross is probably like either the four hour work week or the lean startup. Um, because both of those were, for me anyway, we're really talking about here's an, a different way that we can think about problems um, as they come up. You know, it's pretty easy to try to memorize solutions um, because then anybody can just parrot those back, right? But if you can really train up your mind on how that we really need to break down the problems themselves, um, then all of a sudden you have this really flexible tool that no matter what happens in the market or what happens in this business deal or whatever, like your mind can then explore the hundreds of options that are potentially available that otherwise you wouldn't even have thought of. And that's when you combine that style of thinking with giving yourself time and space in the morning um, to be able to just sit 
you'll find those solutions that you know that you just haven't even become aware of yet because you haven't stopped getting inputs from the outside world for long enough for your mind to actually tell you, like, here's what you need to be doing. Yeah, I love it. So much passion behind that answer, Scott. It makes me want to go back and pick up both of those books. But that is The Lean Startup and The 4-Hour Workweek. We'll link those books in the show notes if the audience members haven't listened to those or read them. Go do so. Definitely good, good books there. Scott, last question we've got for you in the lightning round. If you were to give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, what would that be? Yeah, it's all going to be good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just don't worry. Just just jump don't in worry. and do it. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about it. Because because you can't you can't even know that what the bad stuff is going to happen or not going to happen up front. You know, we can really only control like how do we proceed and what's our process for that. Um, but what do we do with failure when it happens? Because you like for the most part, we can do the best we can and we can still fail, right? I mean, that's one of the things we talk about on the Real Estate Nerds podcast is sometimes deals just go sideways. There's really nothing you could have done differently, you know? And, and, and that's something I would have told my younger self about it is like, you need to really stop worrying about the future and just really enjoy the present and then just start doing the things that you feel driven to do in that moment. Uh, and that's going to lead you where you need to go. Yeah, I love it. Well, Scott, you bring it, brought it up and it's a really interesting and exciting time for you. You've got an upcoming launch of the Real Estate Nerds podcast. So tell us what we can expect with that. Yeah. So Real Estate Nerds podcast, uh, it's launching September 1. And what we're doing is we're interviewing um, top real estate investors. Um, and what we're getting to is, you know, the 50% of the real estate uh, making money in real estate is the deal itself, right? The other 50% is that the people behind them and what they did or didn't do that led to either their best or worst deals. I got to tell you, Jacob, we've been hitting, you know, getting in some crazy stories on some of these worst deal episodes where guys have lost $50 million dollars. And inside of real estate investing. And they talk about it airing their dirty laundry of like, here's actually what I did that was really boneheaded. Um, and, and it's not like any, you know, you would think that it's like, oh, you know, I forgot to check this box on the disclosure. And it's not nothing of that. It's really about talking about like, what, it, how are we acting as people? And how are we showing up as a person in the deal? That is either leading to the deal working out well or not, or us having a blind spot to something that we should have seen otherwise, right? So um, the idea is that you would listen to the show, Jacob, and then you would say, oh man, this what I'm going through right now is just like what Gino went through when he bought his apartment complex. And I totally get what he's talking about when he was sharing that story. I better make sure I don't do that. Yeah, such valuable stuff there and awesome to learn from other people's mistakes. If you don't have to make them yourself, that's real value right there. So that launches September 1st. That's the Real Estate Nerds podcast. You're going to be able to find it on iTunes, everywhere else you can find podcasts. Scott, as we're wrapping up here, is there anything else, any parting piece of advice you'd like to leave with our audience members? Yeah, you know, I would just ever tell everybody that, you know, really the worst things that you can really do in life is have stagnation. And most of the time that the decisions that we're needing to make aren't because we don't have enough information. And it's actually just because we're fear, we're too afraid of making a mistake. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we talk about in the Real Estate Nerd podcast, and you'll hear it on my website, you know, all the time, royallegalsolutions.com with me putting out material is that I'm not, I don't really care a lot if we make, if I make a mistake as an investor, right? What I really care about is if I make a stupid mistake. So I really want to like, if I'm going to shoot for big things, I really want it to be like a really elegant, beautiful mistake. 
And, and I would say that the better mistakes we can make, the, the more great things we're going to do because that's one mistake. But in thinking that way of shooting big and trying big things, um, all of the other pieces that didn't turn out to be mistakes are going to carry us up to greater heights than we could have ever imagined. And that's way bigger than the people that you might already know in your life that um, have, haven't taken any action on all the things that you have. And look where you would have been if you didn't. But imagine all the things that you could be taking action on now and where that could lead you um, into the future and, and live that dream. Yeah, I love it, Scott. Such great advice there. Well, hey, it's been such a fun and great conversation from talking about asset protection strategies and me fumbling through, you know, how that world works. You know, that's, that's your bread and butter there. So if the audience members want to learn more or have any questions to ask you, want to reach out and connect with you, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, you can reach out uh, to the royallegalsolutions.com website. Uh, you can call me up uh, directly at 512-757-3994. Um, you can also uh, connect with us. Um, I'm sorry, you can also connect with me through email at uh, scott at royallegalsolutions.com. Um, we're also going to have a uh, special landing page uh, built up for you guys at the royallegalsolutions.com slash real estate way uh, address. If you come and access us through there, you're actually going to get a free month of what's the family office package that we offer, which is basically having us on call anytime for any of your real estate questions for free um, for, for a low monthly rate. So we're going to give that to you guys for free just for coming up to the royallegalsolutions.com slash real estate way uh, link that's uh, going to be in the show notes um, or you know, access it otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll link that uh, in the show notes, Scott, that's royallegalsolutions.com slash real estate way. If you'd like to go there and check out Scott, ask him any other questions. Scott, thanks so much. It's been a great conversation. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, Jacob. Great to be here. Everybody be good. Thanks, Scott. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.